Hey guys, it's Chris from Tap the Craft, and I wanted to say thank you for checking out our show. I also wanted to tell you about our sponsor, Brewer Shirts. At the forefront of the craft beer movement, Brewer Shirts was one of the first to create apparel that celebrates the art of brewing and the love of fine beer. Never too trendy, always comfortable, and offering affordable quality. They screen print their gear by hand in their studio using eco-friendly inks, materials, and processes. Check out their online store at brewershirts.com and use the coupon code TAPTHECRAFT2020 to receive 15% off of full-priced items. Welcome, craft beer friends, to Season 7, Episode 25 of Tap to Craft Podcast. I am Denny Luce, coming to you from Boise, Idaho, and my partner in craft, the dog whisperer, and my favorite Florida man, and also known as Drinking Eagle from Tampa, Florida, <laughs> Mr. Chris McKenzie. How you doing tonight, Chris? And of course, tell us what is in your glass. I'm doing really good tonight, Denny. Uh, talking to you finally from my new house. Hmm. Um, we're... Uh, like I told you earlier, we've got stuff everywhere. Oh yeah. Um, oh, yeah. So, but to be expected, and uh, we're we're getting everything put away and just taking the time to finally just enjoy this this space that we're into. Um, so I'm doing really good now that this is starting to all come together. And in my glass today, I'm drinking uh, Mountain Time. Mountain from, Time from New Belgium Brewing. Uh, just it's a uh, they're what they call their premium lager just a nice, simple, easy drinking, mm-hmm. uh, beer before we kick, uh, before yeah. we kick this off this so, evening. So, so how is it? Is it, is it worth it? You know what? It was in a, a multi-pack a mix pack. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it's, uh, it's really easy to drink. It's nothing heavy. I think it's like sitting at about, I was 4.4%. Perfect. Um, yeah. So it's, it's really, really light, a little, just, moderately sweet nothing crazy mm-hmm. um and uh yeah I, I could i could see myself drinking a few of these by the pool oh good yeah good yeah i enjoy them um initially when i first took it the first sip of it though it was a little um and i guess maybe i've just been drinking some bigger stuff lately but i took a drink of it it was like wow this, this is almost like diluted mm. <laughs> maybe maybe slightly watered down yeah. a little bit but i hear um I no hear as i'm as i'm drinking it it's uh, i've been enjoying it Oh, good. I really have. Good. So, uh, what about you? What is in uh, what's in your glass, and how are you doing this evening? Well, I'm doing pretty good, considering it's been over 100 the last three days. It's 102 right now here in Boise. I think Portland's Portland, Oregon's been getting hit hard. Uh, they were 112 yesterday, and I think 113, or maybe even higher now. No, uh, don't which move is, to Florida. It's so hot there. Yeah, yeah which is which is <laughs> yesterday. Portland hit the the highest. That been recorded in wow. in Portland yesterday. Today they broke that record, so that's pretty that's pretty hot. Uh, yeah, but yeah, it's definitely a little warm. To help, you know, keep us hydrated and uh, you know and happy in this heat. I'm also drinking a lighter ale, and this one is from Payette, a local group, uh, Payette Brewing here locally in Boise. It's their Prairie Bard Golden Ale. Hmm. 
And this is a, a really nice gold now, 5% ABV. So it's right there above the session, but not too high. But it has a nice, um, you know, like kind of like lemongrass type uh, hop character to it. Maybe a little nice. bit of citrusy in there, like like lemon lemongrass citrusy that just cuts off that sweetness. So it's got a, a light body and very refreshing finish. I, you know, I've, I got a six pack of this. I'm drinking the last one right now. Because it just feels good to drink it while it's hot out. Yeah, I can definitely definitely get behind that. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, we're doing pretty good, and um, yeah, I'm just trying to stay. It's going to be over 100 degrees every day this week, so we 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 may be breaking some records. We broke a few records in different parts of Idaho this this month already for high temperatures. Mm. Um, so and maybe boys will break, you know, one or two as well. We'll see. But I'm just glad my air conditioning is working well because I don't really feel it when I'm inside. It's just when I get yeah. outside and go go do stuff outside. Like I, uh, you know, even at at eight o'clock in the morning, right? It's it's eighty degrees, and you go out to do your lawn like on the weekend, and you're like, okay, I'm gonna go out early. You get out there, and the sun's beating on you, eighty degrees. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, okay, well, at least it's not a hundred while I'm doing this. Yeah. Yeah, interestingly enough, I, I had an appointment, a consultation um, about a week ago, four days ago, uh, with a young lady who just moved here from Pocatello, Idaho. Oh, like, wow, look at that. Did, what a small did you world. ask if she knew Haley? Uh, I actually told her she was a teacher. I said, and it was it was nice because, you know, we were having a discussion about um, the the town itself. And, you know, she goes, you know, some in some of the areas – you know, it's uh, it's kind of it's kind of well, at least for dogs anyway, at least the way she's explained it, um, you know, it might not be the best area. And I don't think my dog came from the best area. And I said, well, you know, yeah, being a railroad town and everything, mm-hmm. it could, you know, and she goes, how, how do you know it's a railroad town? <laughs> Doesn't everyone? Uh, yeah. I said, uh, I've done a little research. And she's like, seriously? <laughs> I said, no, I actually have a friend who lives there. <laughs> Yeah, did, did you ask her if she's got the Jim Dandy? Uh, no, this uh, this consultation was not a very lively, uh, um, okay. fun kind of kind of. It was it was definitely one of those tough ones where it was like, uh, not to buzzkill the whole show, but <laughs> she's like, I don't know what we're gonna do with the dog. Uh, we 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 might have to put him down. Like he's that that rough. And I'm he, like, he, oh. he's that out of control. Yeah, so. they had to move all the way to Tampa because a dog couldn't no, stay in Pocatello. Long, no, <laughs> but it, the the short, the long of the short is that you know she moved uh, from Pocatello to just to down to the Tampa area. That's where her parents live. Um, uh, it's, it was just one thing after another. Man, I, I felt really bad because it was one of those things where you know you can help, but you know there also has to be the funding to go along behind oh, yeah. it. Yeah. And it was, uh, it's it's a tough thing to kind of go through. But I clocked out about two and a half hours ago. So let's get this show on the road. Let's do it. But before we get this show on the road, I always like to let everyone new listening to Tap the Crap Podcast, what we're all about. We are an educational podcast. We focus around celebrating all things craft beer because we want to assist you, our listeners, along in your craft beer journeys and adventures. And you're listening episode 181 and we're recording on monday june 28th 2021 and in this episode we're going to discuss a number of things yeah we have a big episode ahead of you uh first we're going to 
no, I won't say first. The main topic of the of the episode will be focused around German style wheat ales. Wow, where the heck did I come with that? Well, um, guess what? As ever as as always, when I come up with topics myself, they always they usually come from some experience or something that that uh, that enlightened me to want to go and and try out some uh, or I, I go and, and get a, a beer and I. And I want to talk. I want to find out more about it and talk about it. And the beer that did it for me this time was at Clairvoyant Brewing in Boise, mm-hmm. and they made a, cu- a couple new beers. They made a fantastic Czech Pilsner uh, that was really light, refreshing, and and really like was clean, good, uh, good Pilsner. Really like that one. And they made a German style Hefeweizen. And I think that the Hefeweizen in a whole is not. Uh, appreciated as much now as it was 20 years ago, and especially the German half. And I think when people have American halves and then they have a German one, a lot of times they're not expecting the flavors that come out in a German half. And I mm. love those flavors. And when I drink this beer, it just resonated with me that this is this is a great beer, and it's something that I think w- it would be nice to talk about. We've talked about other German beers on the show in the last seven years, but we haven't talked about the the wheat ales. So guess what? We're going to talk about all the wheat ales, um, but you know we're going to kind of focus first on the German Hef because that's what inspired me, and then we'll go into details about the other wheat ales from Germany that you may or may not be familiar with, just to give you some insight, a little bit of history on that, uh, and then uh, that, that'll be the main topic. And then we're going to do some tasting notes. Chris and I have the same beers. Now, how did Chris and I have the same beers? He being in Tampa, me being in in uh, me he being in Tampa, me being in Florida. No, me being in Boise. Yeah. Uh, we, we've had a hard time coming up with the same beers that we could both can get. So unless someone sends us beers or somehow, you know, or, or Chris sends me beers or I send him beers, we can't, it's kind of hard to do tasting notes. So it's one nothing lightning, by the way. Okay. Let's, All right. That's, yeah. that's if you're, if you're paying attention, I, I'm not paying attention, but I know the rest of the world is just, just showed up on my phone, Okay. <laughs> but we had a listener. Uh, William Schlemmer was kind enough to send both of us some beers. Not only did he send us beers, he sent us, the same beers. So now mm-hmm. we have an opportunity to try these live on the air and give you a, a real brief tasting notes of what we're drinking. So we have two beers that we're going to do uh, throughout the show. Uh, we'll start talking about that. Uh, and I have an article, an interesting article that discusses if there's such thing as a cult beer, like a cult classic beer, like hmm. a cult m- film. Is there a mm-hmm. cult beer? Okay. And I, and I th- it's a, like a little quick little article would talk about it. I and Chris think about this. I've written several beers that I would consider might be in the in a cult type category. Now, right. it's hard to categorize beers the same as you would a movie because a movie is a is something that's there all the time. Whether it's yeah. you know it's a little bit different. Where beers may not be around all the time. So I'll talk about when we get to the article. I'll talk about how what I think about a cult classic type beer would be. And then you see, you know, see if you can come up with a couple of your own that you think might fit that, you know, that category. Okay. I got a couple in mind already. Okay. And then, of course, uh, you can count on Chris and I have some great conversation about beer along the way. So, Chris, I know that uh, I'm still drinking this other beer, but that's okay. I can put it aside. But let's get started uh, with our tasting notes segment. So That one's gone. All right. So that one's gone. And we're going to start with uh, with a beer from... Uh, Michigan. And again, William Schlemmer, he's from Wisconsin, and he sent us beers from around his area. 
uh, from breweries that neither Chris nor I have had. And so these are all going to be unique beers to us. And uh, this one is uh, from the Black Rocks Brewery out of Marquette, Michigan. And this beer is called uh, My Kiss IPA. And My a, Kiss IPA. And the label is fantastic. I yeah, love it really is. these chrome style you know, labels uh, with a fish. And it's got some fish scales along the... Uh, I'm guessing that's the Michigan something landscape, or I don't know what that is, but that's kind of cool. And uh, what it says is this is a well-hopped, bright, bold, succulent American IPA. And it says it's hopped with Simcoe, Citra, and Mosaic, which are three of my favorite hops, which is nice. Mm-hmm. And it comes in right at 7.5 ABV and 60 IBU. So this beer is going to be a little bit on the bitter side. So, uh, so I, I have this habit of just kind of flipping cans over yeah. and always looking because it says enjoy within six months of the date printed on the bottom. Now, Denny, have you ever seen the movie um, Super Troopers? Yes. Did you like the movie Super yeah, Troopers? of course. Who doesn't like Super Troopers? I look, I don't know if this is going to be picked up on my camera, but it says on the bottom, littering and... And then it just says the package date. So littering and <laughs> littering and smoking the reefer, right? So that was the, uh, for those well, of you that what they're doing. Is it, it's, it's legal in Michigan too, right? Yes, it is recreationally. So, yeah, so good, good for them. All right. So we're going to pour this beer real quick. Did you, did you have your appropriate glassware? Yes. a boy. Yes. We're using our IPA style B cups. And uh, again, we're not outside enjoying the outdoor, but it doesn't matter. These cups are great anytime you're drinking beer. And I like to, uh, I always like to promote oh. our buddies over at Fermented Reality. And oh, I because did. they do, uh, these, gla- these glasses are really nice. And I think everyone should have a set just to go out camping, picnicking, boating, hiking, whatever you want. You want to, you always want to drink your beer in a glass. But glass can be very dangerous when you're out in the open. Uh, but plastic is great. It's not going to, if it breaks, it's not going to cause any harm to you or the environment. Well, the, we, these are, uh, these are specifically for by the pool at my house. Okay. So this is, uh, yeah. And in the pool at your house too, I saw. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Tim Johnson said mosaic is my personal go to. Yeah. Mosaic is great. Um, Jeremy Garrison also said Billy beer was a cult beer, not saying that it was good. <laughs> uh, so Billy, yeah. So Billy beer might be considered a cult, except the fact that you can't enjoy it ever after that initial thing. I don't think, I mean, Billy beer hasn't been around for 30 years. So <laughs> yeah. that, that might be, that might be a tough one. But yeah, Billy beer might be a cult classic if you have some uh six packs of it left over okay well yeah it's it's uh, i don't know if i'd call this a hazy um it's unfiltered for sure oh i should show it here yeah there you go um but the uh, it's got a nice head uh both yours and mine chris have a, mm-hmm. a good a good um just slightly off white almost it says a little bit, little bit slight off white head. Yeah, uh, a mixture of dense and coarse bubbles, and it, it stays quite a while. That, that head is staying nice. That's uh, that's a good one. If 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 I know good head, and I think I do, that's uh, that's a good one right there. <laughs> so um, let's take a little whiff and see what we get in the aroma. Which I'm getting some uh, like like to me some sh- candied like uh, citrus or. I definitely got some. Some orange. Yeah, in there. orange, some candied orange, maybe. It's like a candied, 
it's definitely like a sugar, like a, like those jellied orange yeah. smell, right? Like you get those candies you get with those sugar on them, those jelly orange ones. It smells like that. But it does have, yeah, some orange character in there. Yeah, it smells pretty good. It's, it's got nice aroma. All right, you want to mm-hmm. take a sip? Let's give it a give it a taste. Hmm. That is um it's a it's a standard citrusy IPA. Oh, did I tell you it came in at seven and a half percent ABV? Yes. So it's yes. It, it's a it's a, <clears throat> a you know, it's not a small IPA, but it doesn't taste like it's you know seven and a half. There's a lot of interesting flavors in this one. I like this one. Yeah, it's I, I've been going a lot more to traditional IPAs uh, without the haziness and mm-hmm. especially without the lactose in it. I've kind of gone overdosed with the lactose and I'm just, oh, yeah. I'm, I'm done with it. Not only in the IPAs, but in the stouts too. Um, I've had several of them that have had those the, the, the lactose in there. I'm just like, okay, I'm done. I'm done with this lactose. Let's just make beer the way we used to make beer because I enjoy it that way. Yeah. And this, this is, is an, a- this is an old, this, this is like a, uh, an early 2000s, uh, you know, American IPA. It's definitely an American-style IPA. Tastes great. Mm. And, and the finish is nice, too. It's for 60 IBUs, you don't get a, a huge bittering in the finish. It's Mm-mm. it's really smooth. I think it's uh, it's balanced well. <clears throat> It, it disappears kind of quickly it, too. The that bitterness, yeah, it disappears. You you taste the bitterness up there, but it, it just like it mellows out with the sweetness, balancing it out really nice, so you don't have anything lasting, um, you know, lingering on very long. Yeah, it's, it's, it's definitely not. It's not coating your tongue or anything. It's yeah. it's definitely a a nice one to just uh, yeah. Even at seven and a half percent, it's still fairly you know easy to drink. Mm. Well, I'm enjoying that one. If mm-hmm. uh, I, I'm not going to untap it right now because I'm recording. But Chris, what would you uh, rate this on Untapped if you had to rate it? Um, I'd definitely go. Uh, I'd probably go at probably three point seven five or four ish on that one. I, I'm right there with you. I was I was debating going up to four, um, and I think if it would have maybe carried on a little bit more of the of the of a of one of the other hops into the finish a little bit more mm-hmm. and gave it a nice distinct finish i think i would have gave it a four i also am right at about the four i'm at, I'm at the three 350 to 375 range so i'll be right there with you i think mm-hmm. i'm gonna give it a 350 that's what okay. i'm gonna give it yeah all <sighs> right well thank you william um this is an enjoyable beer Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I think what I really like is the aroma. I love that candied orange or that jellied orange or maybe orange jam, whatever that f- smell was. I like that. Yeah, yeah. As, I, I love the logo that or the the kind of the motto that they have on the side of their can. We love beer. You love beer. Let's get together. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Let's get together. Yeah. All, right, All right. So Chris and I want to thank all of our Patreon supporters. This episode is brought to you in part by our satisfied Patreon supporters like Mike Allen and William Slimmer. He's not only a Patreon supporter, but he's also providing beer, which is fantastic. 
Uh, we also, the, the, those two guys are our virtual producers. Uh, we also have Tom Byrne, Jeff Seiler, Johan Halberg, Terrell Carlson, Chalin Massa, Mark Church, Matt Knight, and Kirk Tabor, who want to buy us a virtual beer. And if you enjoy the content we provide, we invite you to support the show by toasting your hosts or becoming a virtual or with a or buying us a virtual beer or even becoming a virtual producer. You can explore the options on our support page by visiting patreon.com slash tap the craft. And uh, also, we love feedback. Uh, I did get some feedback, but uh, because I already had the show like jam-packed, full of content, I didn't want to add any extra content this episode. But if you want to leave us feedback, you can do that easily. You can leave us a voicemail and get your voice heard on the show. You can do that at 208-536-3359, or if it's easier for you to remember, 208-53-ODDLY. And uh, just, uh, yeah, leave us uh, some comments, a question. Uh, a little bit about your your craft beer journey, whatever you'd like, we'd love to hear from you. And if that's not your thing, don't worry. You can uh, you can send us your comments in email form. Just send it to tatthecraft at gmail.com. Or if you would prefer to do social media, we uh, have an account on Twitter and Instagram, at tapthecraft. And of course, Chris would love to interact with you on Facebook at facebook.com slash tapthecraft. And if you want to get more information about the show, find out uh, when we record, check out our, you know, whatever we got on the on the website. You can do that by visiting our website, tapthecraft.com. All right, Chris. Everything's tap the craft. Everything is tap the craft. Everything. All right, Chris. So let's con- continue the conversation because now it is time to untap the craft and see what our listeners are drinking according to untapped. All right. Well, yeah, Bill, I and so my buddy Bill said, how can this podcast be happening with the Stanley Cup? It seems like it would be a struggle for Mr. McKenzie. Buddy, don't you worry. I am keeping up on this game on, on what's going on. I won't be able to watch it, but I can definitely. Uh, is the Stanley Cup going on now? So tonight is game one. <laughs> oh, it's only game one. You might as well just wait at least till. It's, it's not just game one, Denny. The <laughs> winner of this series takes the cup again. Uh <laughs> You kill me, man. <sighs> yeah, yeah, Tim. That that's why we're getting you guys are getting side eyes tonight because uh, there may be some information on this phone, maybe, <laughs> maybe. Uh, oh, yeah. So. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. Thanks, Tim. Thanks for selling me out there, man. Mm-hmm. Uh, Denny, let's talk about your first monkish beer uh, that you had. A day ago, oh. I know this is a little, a little further in our usual range, but um, you had the uh, M nine point two DDH DA. Uh, I was trying to get on all the letters. Yeah. Double dry hopped, double IPA by Monkish Brewing Company. You wrote your first Monkish beer thanks to your buddy Ariel, uh, and getting some decent citrus peel zest flavor mixed with some tropical fruit in the background. Not a typical hazy double IPA, so I appreciate it. You give that four caps for that, uh, yeah. for that beer. Yeah. So, um, yeah. So I guess, uh, I think I mentioned in the last episode that Ariel was coming into town and uh, we were going to get together and we did, we did got together on Friday night and I took him to clairvoyant brewing. Um, so where I had the Pilsner and the, and the, uh, German Hefeweizen. And I also had the German Kolsch. I mean, all mm. three of those beers were fantastic. I love, I love all of their, their lager styles and their Kolsch and their lighter ales because, uh, their beer is so clean and and so well done that if if a brewery can brew good beers in no styles, then they're a good brewery. So oh yeah, I, I want to take Ariel there because that's where I think 
he would get the most, he'd get the enjoyment of being able to, to experience himself, uh, well, well-made beer. Uh, and if he could, if he could taste that, he, he knows, uh, that, Hey, Boise has some good beer. And, um, of course when we met up, he brought me a beer. I brought him a beer. I brought him the, uh, the shoots, the ages, uh, goose and a bottle of that for him to, and his wife to drink when they get back home. And he brought me a monkish can of this, uh, anniversary ale. Uh, it's their 9.2 version. Uh, I guess that's nine years in the, the second iteration of the anniversary ah. ales. And yeah, it's a double, it was a double IPA hazy. Uh, but I, what I liked about it is that it wasn't your typical hazy. It wasn't, it, you know, it, and he didn't call, it wasn't called a New England. It was called a hazy, I believe. I think it was called hazy. Okay. <laughs> now I say that <laughs> because it didn't, it, it it had some unique flavors in there that had some it had some citrus, but it also had some tropical fruit character that was in there, and it had um it it had some like uh, citrus peel zest, you know that that bitterness that comes from a, mm-hmm. the citrus zest. And what was nice about this beer is you definitely need to let it warm up. Drinking it cold was not as enjoying as it was once it warmed up because those flavors really came through up front with you had one flavor and in the middle you had something else. And then you had that, that, that citrus zest in there towards the finish. And then right at the end of the finish was like another flavor. I can't remember off the top, but it was, it was like a lot of flavors going throughout that beer and that I really enjoyed that. And, and it, and it wasn't that, you know, typical, that typical, no lactose was in this beer. So I appreciate that as well. And it, it, it wasn't the typical, um, you know, sweeter, uh, mushy, you know, you know, it had flavor, right? It had bitterness. Mm-hmm. It had a lot of stuff going on in there. And I really appreciate that. So it's an interesting, um, kind of beer. Uh, I was kind of reading the untapped, uh, description of it and it's a, the, the double dry hopped double IPA with uh, phantasm and phantasm is a new product from New Zealand derived from Marlboro Sauvignon grape Sauvignon grape skins that are rich in tropical fruity fields, uh, aromatic compounds. Yeah. So, and that's, what's interesting is when I first took sips, I rewrote my description because when I first wrote it when it was still cold, I got like, I think it was that whatever that phantasm flavoring there gave me a feel of like white oak barrels. And I, it, it was like, wow, I'm getting this white oak barrel character. But when it warmed mm-hmm. up, that kind of mellowed out and that turned into more of that, that zestiness and the tropical fruit flavors kind of blending together, giving me that, that type of a barrel yeah. character. And it, it was kind of, it's deceiving a little bit. So I, I rewrote my description because I'm like, well, wait a minute, this beer changed from the time it was like super cold until it warmed up. So yeah, maybe that's where I was getting that barrel character uh, up front in the beginning. Well, that's, that's definitely a pretty interesting type of combination for beer. Uh, monkish. I mean, I'm sure some of you guys have had some monkish stuff too. And even Jeff Seiler, I think wrote on your check-in that he was jealous because he's mm. been, I've heard amazing things about yeah, monkish. Yeah, right? I, I've heard great things too. So it's nice to finally get to try one. Okay. <laughs> so let's see. Moving on. There's a name I don't get to read very often. Johan Halberg is drinking a double dry hopped Ain't Nothing Nice by Other Half Brewing. Uh, gave this four cap rating. No notes on that beer. Other Half makes some great yeah, uh, yeah. IPAs, a uh, little bit of everything. 
Uh, at least that's what I've had from him. Uh, Kevin Page, you've ruined the pattern, sir. You're drinking a sunny side by Arcane Aleworks, but you're drinking it in an Arcane Aleworks glass, <laughs> not a burial glass. He must be at Arcane Aleworks then, right? Uh, <laughs> no, you were checked in at Untapped at Home, and he just said, it's Joe G time. Five cap rating for this beer. Uh, I hope Joe is who got you that beer or a good buddy of yours. Um, next on the list is going to be Mr. William Schlemmer. He's drinking a collective fruit by Company Brewing at oh. 2S Cottage on Bass Lake. Very good beer on an 81-degree day on Bass Lake. Not a big guava fan, but still an excellent beer. I like that it's not very sweet, and he gave it a four-cap rating for that beer. Um, and sounds like a great day to be out on the lake when it's clocking in at 81, because that's... That's good lake weather nice. right there, yeah. It's not too yeah, hot, not too cold. A little um, breeze that- would feel good. And that collective fruit is a uh, fruited goza. Oh, <clears throat> nice. Yeah, we'll talk about yeah. that a little bit later. Um, David Martin is drinking a Defiance by 13 Stripes Brewing at 13 Stripes Brewery. Uh, gave it four and a quarter caps. No uh, no notes on that one. Um, let's see. 13 Stripes based out of Taylor's, South Carolina. That's a place you don't hear about a lot of breweries from is the state of South Carolina. No. Cousin cousin Eric Brendel just hopped on. How are you, Eric? Um, but he's got a uh, – David's got a few check-ins to that 13 Stripes Brewery. Uh, four and a quarter cap again for their Freeborn and three and a half caps for the – they're only chasing Hazy. Uh, so we've got a few good ones in there. Uh, my buddy Art Warcheck is drinking a Here to Destroy by Dissolver at his favorite check-in, North Phil Harmstead. Mm-hmm. Uh, four cap rating for that beer. No notes for that one. Continuing his check-in streak for the 18th show in a row. I don't know if that's really what it is, but Chad Lamasa is drinking a Crazy Pants, the Karen edition. Ooh. By Oozel Finch Beers and Blending at Collector's Corner. He said, I always enjoy Oozle Finch's can art. Lots of berry flavors and some vanilla. Fairly tart. Four and a quarter caps for that beer. Uh, Let's see. Next on the list, and he's drinking out of a B cup, Jeff Seiler. Thank you. From Maine Beer Company, the 2021 version of Thank You. Uh, Super tasty IPA, citrusy, tropical, and so crushable. Maine Beer Company is so classy. Like the James Bond of breweries. <laughs> oh, I, I like, like that. that. I like that too yeah. because I think the one beer I had definitely reminds me of James Bond. You know, classy, yeah, uh, type of beer. Good. Yeah, um, and he wrote uh, beer company. Oh, I'm sorry, I did it wrong. Beer company, Maine <laughs> beer company. <laughs> Uh, four four and a quarter caps for that beer uh, from <laughs> from Maine Beer Company. Uh, Kyle, no. Kyle Lilly, I'm not reading your check-in from Michelob Ultra Seltzer oh, Spicy ooh, Pineapple. Oh, my gosh. Wow. Oh, see, it got worse as I read oh, along. Oh, yeah. I, at first, I heard Michelob. <laughs> okay. Then I seltzer. And then I, like, spicy whatever you said. I'm like, okay, that's not good. Oh, man. You and I both got tagged, Denny, uh, in a check-in from Florida. Steve He's drinking a fresh pop from Civil Society Brewing Company in his Boston Red Sox glass. <laughs> um, very <laughs> tropical, well-done variant of fresh. Enjoying it after a Monday at work. Three and three-quarter caps for that beer. Um, let's see. Moving on to the next one. Chad Lamasa is, again, is drinking a Shady When I Strut by Short Throw Brewing Company. 
nice hazy double IPA, four and a half caps for that beer. That was about an hour ago. Uh, I, I get see. I get short throw now here in Boise. It's one of the special deliveries that come in from a certain distributor. So I, I've really enjoyed short throw uh, beer so far. Shady when I strut. Um, let's see. Next on the list, I have to read this one from Jeff Seiler. It's a drinking holy Simcoe Batman by Baramir. I can never get this one. Baramari Brewing Company over in Asheville, North Carolina. And his notes on this four cap rating. Bam, pow, boom, delicious hazy IPA to the bat cave, Robin. Uh, <laughs> you can't help but not read something like that. Um, next, Art Warcheck is drinking a thread count by Jackie O's Brewery. Four and a half caps for that beer. Um, and I'm going to read one of my very own uh, that I was drinking a, well, no. I'm not going to. I'm going to talk about it, my new and noteworthy. Okay. But it was from my buddy Art, and it's from Jackie O's. Um, Eric Gronley, drinking an Elvis juice by mm. Brew Dog. I get a lot of grapefruit in here, he says. Four, to, four cap rating for that one. Uh, my buddy David Campbell, checking into a Joyride remix, Pineapple Upside Down Cake by Pie Road Meadworks. I uh, believe that's here right in Tampa. Uh, Pie Road Meadworks. And... Uh, David, I'm curious to see what you'll be checking into from our uh, end of the first period, Lightning 1, <laughs> Canadian 0, uh, from your most recent Tavor shipment, because I got one today. Um, let's see, on to the next one. Oh, we got to hit refresh. Are we good? Are we good? Uh, yep, and that's what everybody's drinking. All right. Wow, quite the beers there. And 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 your your is it cousin Eric Brindle? Yeah, Eric wants to know. So they don't they, they don't carry that Pete's Wicked Ale anymore. Yeah, I, I think uh, that went out of business uh, a little while ago. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I remember. Tells it. Me, is that is yeah. that a cult classic for you, Eric? We were talking about cult classic beers. Let us know Something if you tells uh, me if you think that's a cult Eric's classic. Being a bit of a smartass. Oh, okay. So. okay. <laughs> I mean, he's related to me for Pete's yeah, sake. Yeah. So okay, all right. All right, well, that's some great beers that people are drinking on a tap. And it looks like the weather is different everywhere. So if some people are drinking some, you know, different beers, uh, it's okay. I'm drinking lighter stuff. Chris is drinking everything. Yeah, well, I mean, I had some heavier stuff. Yeah, what yesterday or the day before? I'm I'm still finishing this. I finished uh, that. I'm finishing up my uh, uh, my golden ale right now. He said that was his first microbrew introduction. Now, when P- Pete's Wicked Ale came out, I was not even considering drinking. Because uh, you weren't born yet. <laughs> I'll take that. Yeah. You know what? I will take that. You're right, Denny. I wasn't born uh, at that point. Uh, actually, though, I think Pete's was around until the late 90s. So it, mm. you were born. Yeah. I, uh, you know. <laughs> Right before I graduated high school, they went out. Uh, yeah. Okay. So, uh, all right. Well, good. Let's get on to the brew buzz. We got a nice topic here. It's a little bit lengthy, but hey, we can get through it pretty pretty rapidly because it's all easy. Uh, you know, easy to talk about stuff, German words and such. You know, Ger- German German's easy. Chris is a pro. Yeah, we'll nail this. All right. So. Uh, brew, the Brew Buzz is devoted to discussing various beer-related topics. This week, as I already mentioned, we're going to discuss the German-style wheat beers. And I pulled the information from two sites. 
Uh, first one is German style Hefeweizen, uh, is uh, the name of the page from the craftbeer.com website. They have a nice page that talks about German style Hefeweizens. And then I also uh, went to the uh, craft beer seller website, found an article there, said February style of the month, German Weedales. And they had a very nice, uh, so, you know, article that discussed all the different styles very briefly. And I thought that was a good uh, introduction to to German wheat ales. We're not going to go in detail on any of them. We're going to go maybe a little bit more detail on the German heft, but everything else is going to be very light. Just talk about some of the, the highlights of these different styles of beer that some of our newer craft beer drinkers uh, might not be familiar with. Now, is German are German beers craft beers? I don't know. I mean, I don't know if they are considered craft beers. Uh, I, I will say this, that back in the early days, before the American craft beer scene was as big as it, as it is now, German and, and imports were considered to be uh, premium beers that were, not, that were really special to drink. And then slowly as craft beer became more and more prominent, that premium beer shifted from German or, or imports into more of a craft because now we're spending our money instead of on the expensive imports we're spending them on mm. more expensive craft beer so i don't know if i'd call it craft beer i'll just say it's a premium beer product but the germans know how to craft some really good beer so that in a way is craft beer yeah and i think the terminology for it is based off of the uh brewers association um and it's just kind of a quick look and it's off the brewers association a brewersassociation.org is just a small annual production of six, mar- six million barrels of beer or less independent, that kind of thing. So, I mean, it doesn't specify that, they, uh, yeah, it doesn't necessarily specify <laughs> that they have to be in the United States. Okay. So. Okay. I, I, I mean, I was assuming it was all in the United States. I didn't, but maybe you're right. Maybe it could be outside the United States. I don't know. I don't care. No. Let's just let's just talk about this style. What do you think, Chris? Moving on. All right. Yeah, moving on. We're getting sidetracked. Yeah, we're getting sidetracked. <laughs> All right. So as I mentioned, let's start with the German style Hefeweizen, uh, because this is the beer that most people, if they're going to try a German Hef or, or, or a German wheat beer, this is what they'll probably end up having, unless they enjoy some of the sour tart stuff we'll talk about here a little bit later. So maybe those are the more famous ones now nowadays, but we'll talk about the German Hef, because that's the one that inspired me on this topic. So uh, I'll start off, Chris, and uh, I'll just read to the next uh, highlight section there. Sounds good to me. Okay. Okay. Arguably, one of the most recognizable beer styles, the German-style Hefeweizen, uh, offers a striking beer experience thanks to the use of distinctive wheat malt, unique yeast, and uncharacteristic appearance. The wheat beer breaks from the German beer mold, showcasing yeast-driven fruit and spice as well as bearing an eye-catching mystique. Uh, but don't let the cloudy Hefeweizen deter you. This beer is one of the world's most enjoyable styles for beer geeks and neophytes alike. The refreshing qualities of this highly carbonated style have kept it alive for centuries. Try one for yourself and experience why that is firsthand. Now, again, I, I like the fact that they talk about how the German wheat ale is kind of breaks away from the, the typical German mold, Right. Because a German beer is always thought to be, you know, made with four distinct um, ingredients. ingredients that are are brewed to perfection to be clean, mostly log, all lager styles, 
except for these German wheat owls, <laughs> because they're owls. But I mean, they're known for their loggers, right? Clean, uh, you know, very, you know, very unique. Uh, and 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 if they make a mistake, it's very noticeable beers, right? And mm-hmm. now you get something that you you pick it up, it's not clear. It's it right. looks like crap, right? You taste it, it's not clean. It's got a lot of yeast esters in there that are that are taking you away from that experience of what you're used to with those noble hops and the German hops and and uh, the 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 malts that they're using. Uh so yeah, so that's why I kind of like that that little saying there. Okay. All right, the German style Hefeweizen is a straw to amber in color. It's brewed with at least 50% malted wheat. The aroma and flavor of a Weiss, of a Weiss beer comes largely from the yeast and is decidedly fruity, which is normally a banana character, like a banana flavor, and phenolic, which typically takes the flavor of clove or uh, coriander. The intensity of these wildly differing flavors qualify, or, or the intensity of these wildly differing flavor qualities varies depending on the brewer, but the two are most commonly balanced. Hefeweizen typically contains a low to moderate alcohol content and is considered to be the most popular amongst the German Weissbier variety. And that's true. Most Hefeweizens are going to be 4% or less as far as I, as I remember. Now, maybe we'll talk about it. I don't remember if I actually spell it out here, but that's what typically you're going to get a 4% Hefeweizen. All right. In German, Hefe, Hefe refers to the yeast, which remains in suspension, giving the German beer its cloudy appearance, and Weizen, which denotes the use of wheat. The wheat beer is, is at its best when poured into a Weizen vase. And I don't have, uh, yeah, I don't have a Weizen glass here, so uh, I should have brought one up to show everyone on video. But it's a, uh, it's the, it's the glass. It starts off um, real down, tall. Yeah, it's tall. <laughs> it's usually twenty five. It's it's usually a twenty five ounce glass, uh, typical, and it starts off with a very narrow base that comes up into a bulb, and then, uh, and then the bulb comes up like a like a light bulb almost. And then you have a small opening. And the reason why it's so tall is because these beers typically generate a large head, very foamy, because of all that wheat that's in there and, and those proteins floating around it. It's very head heavy. And so they need to have a tall glass to capture that. And that the way that that bulb comes in, the the head goes out and then it comes in and it kind of traps the he- that head from like overfilling and making a mess all over your table. So that's what the vice glass is. Okay. Uh, I lost where I was at. I got so uh, carried away with that uh, that whole dis- description. You're right about here. Uh, I don't know if you can see my yes, highlights. Yes, thank you. Um, vice, okay. Oh, which, uh, uh, so I'll just start over. With the wheat beer at its best when poured into a vice and vase, a large curvaceous glass, curvaceous, 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 right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Glass, which showcases a beer's beautiful glow and corrals its large, persistent foam cap, given the style's characteristic effervescence. A German Weiss beer must showcase the Weissen yeast's one-two punch of fruit and spice to be recognized as a German Hefeweizen. The bright fruitiness of banana alongside the pungency of clove allows this beer to work well with a variety of lighter foods, such as salads, seafoods, and even a variety of egg dishes. So there you go. 
That so is breakfast? a breakdown of the German <laughs> Hefeweizen. And that's the beer that I really had a good experience with at um, at Clairvoyant Brewing that did a really good representation of a German-style wheat beer. Okay. So it means I can have a half for breakfast with you my You can breakfast. with your eggs, yeah. <clears throat> yeah, okay. Uh, so the OG Hazy Beer. So with its white fluffy head, full body, light flavor, and signature haze, Wheat is an ingredient that has been a part of beer since the beginning. Wheat was a staple of early civilizations and an important reason why humans progressed from a hunter-gatherer mm-hmm. to an agrarian society. But wheat isn't that great for brewing beer with. It's sticky, glutinous, and high in proteins. <laughs> yeah. This makes for really good uh, for baking bread, but that stickiness can cause problems when trying to drain the wort away from the grains especially since there's no husk to provide a natural filter like there is in barley. So normally, you will see wheat used as merely a percentage of the total grain Mm -hmm. bill needed to make beer. Wheat beers are available in dark and boozy or light and refreshing. Yes. I like this statement because they're – and we're going to talk about them here, right? We're going to go in and show you all these different styles of other wheat beers besides the Hefeweizen that you you can have – big dark big beers and you can have the light refreshing smaller beers and you have that wide variety of styles and you can have ones that have sourness to them or tartness you can mm-hmm. have ones that have fruit to them you can have ones that don't it's it's really a a, a versatile um style so i i, I mm-hmm. want to share this style with you so go ahead and why don't you go ahead and read uh oh, go ahead and go until you you can just carry it on to the to the sour wheat ale section. I'll let you okay, chat away. Okay, sounds good to me. <clears throat> All right. So the first style is going to be uh, the Dunkelweizen. So German for dark wheat, it's the dark wheat beer of Bavaria. Like its lighter colored cousin, Weiss <laughs> uh, beer, this beer is traditionally comprised of 50% wheat and 50% barley, and it's fermented with specialized Weiss beer yeast. The addition of Munich and or Vienna malts is what distinguishes Dunkelweissens from Weiss beers. Aromas of caramel, bread, crust, uh, bread crust, and rich malt complements the clove, bubblegum, banana, and vanilla character added by the yeast. Dunkelweissens have almost no hop presence, and the beer is rich and malty, but not roasty like a porter or a stout. Dunkelweissens are usually between 4.3% and 5.6%. A V A B B. Yeah, so I want to say that um, on that that German heft that I had, uh, it had a very strong banana, um, slight clovey flavor, but not you know not not in your face. It was there, mm-hmm. but in the finish, you you get some of that bubble gum, and, and it's not traditional with a, a regular heft, but they must have the yeast character that the yeast they were using must have generated a little bit of that bubble gum character in the finish. Yeah. And I don't know if it was because it was the banana carrying over, but it it definitely gave me like a little bit of bubble gum, like I would get with a German or a Belgian ale, right? When you get that bubble gummy stuff, but not as strong as a as a Belgian, but just like subtle in the finish. I just felt like, wow, I got that that bubblelicious, um, you know, sweetness in the uh, leftover. So it was kind of cool. 
All right, next on the list is going to be uh, Weissenbox. Are they're strong wheat beers, usually made with sixty to seventy percent wheat and fermented with specialized Weiss beer yeasts. Aromas of dark fruit, caramel, bread crust, and rich malt complements the clove, bubblegum, banana, and vanilla character added by the yeast. Weissenbox have almost no hop presence. Sounded very familiar, like the one I just read. Uh, <laughs> no, no, this is different. Dope. It's different. I know, and I got confused for a second. I was like, am I reading the same one? Uh, and the beer is rich and malty, but not roasty like a porter or stout. Still sounded very similar. Bison box <laughs> are usually between 65 and 8% ABV. Yeah, it's got the bigger alcohol content. So uh, these are definitely going to be the ones that are going to be more boozy and can get they can get out of... They can get out of balance. In my mm-hmm. experience, when I've had Weizenbox, they're good, but by the time you get done with a with a you know a five hundred milliliter bottle, uh, mm-hmm. you're definitely done with that beer because it's a little bit too much to carry on for for length yeah. of time. Yeah, it certainly can be a little over the top sometimes too. So um, let's see. There's a quote Next. here from uh, Garrett Oliver. Oh, so Garrett Oliver. Sorry, I have to. There we go. Um, Garrett Oliver writes in his book, The Brewmaster's Table, the proteins in the wheat form in an intractable haze, giving the beer a particular glow that gave rise to the term white beer. Unsurprisingly, this decree does not apply to the rest of the world, so there are many interpretations of this classic style. Germans utilize this term Weissbier, while people outside of Germany use the term Hefeweizen, which literally means yeast wheat in German. Yeah, it's the classic wheat beer of Bavaria and one of Germany's greatest and most distinctive beer styles. It's traditionally compromise, uh, compromise, comprised <laughs> of 50% wheat and 50% malted barley and fermented with specialized Weiss beer yeasts. Am I reading the same one again? Mm-mm. No. Uh, aromas of clove, bubblegum, banana, and vanilla characterize Weiss beers. This beer has almost no hot presence and is usually between 4.3 and 5.6 ABV. Yeah, so Chris, I know these all sound very much similar because the ingredients that you're using, a lot of them are the mm-hmm. same ingredients. And the yeast that you're using, a lot of them are the same yeast. So they're going to have a right. lot of that same character. But it depends on the on the, the mixture of the, of the grains that you're using and, you know, and... Uh, you know, there, there's there's some differences. So you're right. They're all very similar because the descriptions yeah, all have yeah. similar flavors. But that's because the ingredients are, mo- are you know, are pretty much the same ingredients. So you're going to get the similar. Well, I think it, well, and it very, very clearly it's, you know, those, those yeasts, those, those vice beer yeasts are all going to have that, you know, that bubble gum, mm-hmm. clove, banana flavor to it. Yeah. And from what I'm reading here, what they're doing is just changing the grain bill, yeah. right? Some of them yeah. are using what it, what was the one 50, 50, uh, 50% wheat, 50% malted barley. The other one was 60 to 70% wheat. Yeah. So we're using a lot more wheat in there. Um, another one, what was the, what was the other one? 50% There's wheat, a, 50% malted barley. With the dark so. malt though. Then they put the dark malt. Right. So they use the right. Vienna malt to give you that darker character. I mean, so they change up a little bit, but you're right. I mean, they're all the same, just with a little bit of uh variance to them. So, yeah. Okay. Well, there there's an exception to the yeah. hazy wheat yeah, ale. They don't all have to be hazy. Yeah, this is the crystal Weizen or crystal wheat, which is simply a filtered vice beer. 
Well, that's no fun. <laughs> uh, the suspended yeast is filtered, leaving the beer much less hazy and nearly clear. Although Crystal Vicens have been filtered, for the most part, they maintain the typical flavor profile of traditional vice beer. These are not commonly seen in America as the filtering makes them less shelf-stable. Yeah. Oh. Interesting, huh? That you remove that sediment in there or that, that weedy, yeasty hmm. stuff and it becomes less shelf-stable. Yeah, pretty hmm. cool. Okay. All right. Well, then, so so those well, are the traditional weed ales, right, Chris? Now, let's talk about the 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 ones that uh, may not be or may not have been as well known but have made a resurgence in the last 10 years or at least I'll say last 5 years for sure and that now uh, are really becoming very popular in fact you know we had some of our untapped uh listeners on untapped drinking a, a couple yeah. of these different beers and that's uh that's the sour wheat ales and I'll tell you what when I came back to German wheat ales, it was through the, the Goza and the Blinner Weiss. Uh, mm-hmm. I love those styles. And they were unique and and different from traditional German wheat ales. And I, so I focused mo- mainly on these two for a long time. And now in the, in, in the last couple of years, I have really embraced going back to those traditional German Weiss beers and enjoying them as well. It's all about the circle, you know, your whole craft beer journey, right? You, you know, I was drinking German hefts when I first started as one of the few craft beers that that craft breweries were making. So you drink what they make, and and I enjoyed it, but it wasn't my favorite beer. Um, and so I, I gravitated to other things. But now, as I've gotten more mature, and I've I appreciate the different flavors that they're giving, I'm not turned off by that clove and that banana. You know, at first when I first started tasting banana in my beer. I'm like, I don't want banana in my beer. Why would I drink this? But then as you mature and and you learn to appreciate all these different flavors, I now appreciate that, Mm -hmm. you know, that banana and that clove and and bubblegum flavor. Now, is that because I appreciate them also in the Belgian styles and I matured my palate by drinking a lot of Belgians after I didn't like that style either, you know, seven, eight years ago? And now it's one of my favorite styles. Yeah, it's all about that craft beer journey. It's a it's a circle of life, the craft beer circle of life, right? You you end up coming back around, and when you come back around a second time, you appreciate. So let's talk about the Goza, and it is pronounced Goza. That's not my, that's not me writing it. That's what the you know, the real pronunciation, uh, spelt goes like a hose with a G, but pronounced Goza. So Goza and Blinder Weiss have been. Uh, have both been recent revivals in the U.S. craft beer brewing scene. Uh, while both are German wheat ales uh, that have been soured by lactobacillus, they each have their own unique characteristics. Goza, which gets its name from the town in which it was first created, Gosler, is, or is that Gosler? I guess it's probably Gosler, huh? Uh, sure. Is brewed with salt and coriander. Those flavors are subtle and match the level of sourness in the highly refreshing beer. So one of the things I appreciate about Goza is that it it has a tartness. I won't say good Gozas aren't sour. Good Gozas mm-hmm. have a have a strong tartness to it, but that tartness quickly does, goes away by the finish, by the addition of that salt, in my opinion. The salt really kills that bitterness, or that, bitterness, that sourness, and and ends it like right at the finish, it's gone, right? You don't have that mm-hmm. lingering 
um, sourness in your mouth. And you don't have any acidity to it. You're not getting a gut ache by drinking a goza. It's not overly acidic. It's got enough in there to give you that tartness uh, and it, to appreciate it. And then the saltiness to, to cut it. And then it's gone. And so it's, it's a really refreshing beer. And I love that. I love that style. Same thing is true with the Blitter Weiss. So let's talk about the Blitter Weiss. Uh, expresses more of more acidity, but is even lower in alcohol, traditionally between 2.8 and 3.8% ABV. And then the Goza is a, between 4.2 and 4.8. When served at bars and restaurants, Blitter Weiss is often served with mitschuch, or literally with a shot of woodruff or raspberry syrup. American brewers have taken the shortcut in this step by making fruited variants of the uh, at the at the brewery, so they would serve this beer and then they give you a shot and then you would just dump the shot in and and drink it. I'm assuming, or you would guzzle the beer and then shoot the shot. <laughs> I don't know how they did it, but I'm guessing they so put it in the beer, right? And, it's a syrup. Yeah, it's a syrup. Uh, so yeah, so when I've seen it done, it's been uh, pour the beer and then kind of put the shot of syrup in. Yeah, there. yeah. So and I've had that before too. I've had. I've had the syrup and I've, I've added it in there. And so that, that adds that bit of fruitiness to mm-hmm. the, the blender and, and cuts out that acidity. So it's not so strong. I will say that these are a little bit like they are on the more acidic side. You don't want to drink a lot of them cause you will get acid gut, Yeah, but they, the flavors are so well done. And I just, I, I love a good blender of ice. Um, again, they're usually drier, uh, if they're not having fruit added to them, and if you add that syrup, you know, black currant syrup or raspberry syrup or whatever, um, it does cut that that dryness down a little bit and gives you a little bit of sweetness, just enough to to make it really enjoyable. So why do we especially love a nice wheat beer on a warm day? Because these are darn refreshing beers. In the case of German wheat beers, spritzy, spritz, spritzy carbonization and banana-like fruit esters are combined with a spicy kick from a peppery phenols and reminiscent of clove. The fruit flavors, high carbonation, full body, and relatively mild ABV at 5% or less make these beers delightful summer sippers. A German sour wheat ale is lactobacillus for, or uses uh, lactobacillus for souring and a hint of sea salt and coriander in the case of the Goza. So there you go. So that right there is all the different styles of German wheat beers. And we covered quite a few different versions of this. And you've been drinking, most likely, German wheat beers that you didn't really know were German wheat beers, especially in the Goza. So I hope you guys uh, learned a little something there. So now, Chris, um, I'll let you finish off this uh, topic by the last um, paragraph here. So, Got it. So, so, so what's this about? So fruits or <laughs> no fruits, the eternal debate on whether it's okay to garnish a wheat beer with a slice of lemon or orange rages on. Well, if you're fancy, you put I'm raging, in, right? Uh, in Germany, it's generally frowned upon, though there is no evidence from the 19th century of lemon use at Munich's Hofbrau House. <laughs> Scientifically, the oils from the citrus will diminish the pillow-like head. Yeah, so if you want to get into it, your proteins are what basically make the net for your bubbles. And you put oil in that net, it does not hold bubbles. 
That's why, for those of you who like to bake things, don't get yolk in your meringue. Oh. You never have meringue if there's fat in there. Oh, it's got to be whites only. It's got to be whites only. No fat or the bubbles do not build on each other. The proteins don't connect. Okay. So it'll diminish the pillow-like head. But there's something to be said for how a slice of citrus really brings out those tropical fruit flavors of the beer, and it certainly makes for a nice presentation. Blue Moon. Uh, (laughs) Most beer geeks will shun it, but there's no right or wrong answer. Do what feels right. Yeah, so it really is just... And and you know what? I'm going to mention the Brunomics crew because I like the way that Jerry goes about this. He says, I don't like fruit in my beers, I'm not going to, if I'm going to pour a beer, I'm not going to put any kind of a lemon or orange or anything on the side. But mm-hmm. if I'm at a brewery and the brewer that brewed the beer says, I'm going to put this garnish on here, then he's going to take it that way because the brewer knows what they're trying to succeed at. And right. he said himself that, that, you know what, a lot of times it works and it's nice to have that little, you know, that, that drink of that thing and have that that orange or lemon or whatever uh, aroma in your nose as you're drinking it. I mean, mm-hmm. it, it, it may not be adding to the flavor of the beer, but adding to the aroma that as you're drinking it is enhancing the flavors that are in that beer. And I think that's where the benefit can, can happen. So don't be turned off if the brewery decides to go ahead and garnish your beer. If you don't like it, take it off and put it to the side. But before you do that, go ahead and take a sip with that on the side and see if that aroma really, you know, helps out the beer and, and, and enhances it even more because you might be surprised and it does. So, but there's no right or wrong. If you want to keep the head, yeah, leave the, leave the acid, you know, leave the acid off of it. But if you, if you want to enjoy flavor, yeah, give it a shot. All right, Chris, how was that for a, a brew bus topic? That's a pretty awesome yeah. topic. Cause yeah. No, I mean, if you think about it, I bet you people went, oh, my gosh, I'm drinking German wheat beer. Yeah. And they didn't even realize it. I didn't even know it. Yeah. Yeah. All right, Chris. Well, guess what time it is. Time for another beer? It's time for another live tasting. And uh, this time, another beer brought to us by our great listener, William Schlimmer. And Mm. this is from, and he's actually drinking. we, We read a beer that he's drinking from Company Brewing. This is... Uh, from Company Brewing out of Milwaukee, Wisconsin, and we're drinking yeah. the the Dwell Time Double Dry Hopped Double IPA. It's a hazy double IPA. It has Idaho Seven, uh, You Cannot, and Citra hops. Seven point seven percent ABV, thirty IBUs. This is this is Volume Two of their Weird Turn Pro series. Hey, I can totally get behind that. The uh, <laughs> the Weird Turn Pro. <laughs> I, you know what? I think that happened to a little bit of all of us, don't you? <laughs> yeah. Us weirdos turned pro, and that's, yeah. that's what we did. So let's go ahead and open this and pour it into our B cups. This segment of the show is brought to you by William Schlemmer and B cups. And B cups. Oh, that's a lot. Oh, so it wasn't just me who poured that one. No, it's <laughs> a big, uh, heavy head. No, this one's got, again, this this has got a, I can't even pour the whole can in here because the head is all the way to the top. Yeah. Uh, it's got a good head. It's definitely hazy. It's dense, It's too. dense. This head is tight, tight bubbles. I mean, this is like, 
There's a few yeah. coarse ones in there, but this is like solid, like dense foam bubbles here. It's pretty. Yeah. It's pretty cool. It, it's two nothing lightning. If anybody else okay. is following, there you go. Just get a little sports update. Um, yeah. <laughs> okay. So I'm curious. I'm curious about this beer because it does have. Everyone's know that I'm not a big fan of Idaho Seven, but when used in the right doses with other hops as an accessory hop, I think it works really well. So, just the the nose on it too. I always forgot this. Oh, nothing on there. Littering and um, <laughs> interestingly enough, there's some the nose on it. I definitely get some citrus in there, but I'm also getting some earthy smells. Uh, you know, earthy, yeah, smells. Yeah. Let's call it that. Yeah, I'll say there's some earthiness to it too. I'm trying to pinpoint it. It's hard to. Uh... Oh, you know what the earth? <laughs> yeah, it's Idaho Seven. That's what it is. Mm. It's so definitely Idaho, Idaho Seven. Like? It's def- yeah. <laughs> and again, this is the reason why I'm not a fan of Idaho Seven because I don't think the aroma is 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 pleasing. And it is earthy, and this is and like almost algae like you know it's got like 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 I'm out in the uh, in the mountains in the the mountains in and there's a stagnant pond and it's got some of that you know so I I always call it turtle tank yeah turtle tank it's got a little (laughs) turtle tank yeah but but there's but you're right there's some citrus in there too the citrus is actually um you know making it a more pleasant, but there's that underlying uh, dankness in there. So Idaho Seven is a usually pr- uh, provides really dank character to the beer. Are you ready to uh, try this one, Chris? You already try it? Yeah, I might have to chew through this head though. It's chewy, all right. Mm-hmm. Well, this is okay. This is unique. I'm trying to uh, come up live with the flavor profile here. It sounds like some dishes are getting done. Yeah, Sarah's, I usually (laughs) do dishes, but Sarah's doing them, so that's why you hear them right now. I tell her, just let them go. I'll get them. No, I always think it's funny. The thing is that uh, if you sit and listen and it's quiet, (laughs) the things that you hear in the background, life actually happens. so, So I usually do... I mean, I'll do dishes like during the day, like before we go to bed or whatever, but the, the dishwasher usually runs at night and then I'll, I'll, uh, and that's what she, you're hearing. I think she, she might be putting dishes away. Hmm. And so she's really loud when she puts the dishes away, but I, I do it in the morning bef- when she's asleep and I'm always, you know, very aware that she's asleep and don't want to wake her up. So I'm very gentle when I put them away and she doesn't wake her up at all, but she's like loud with everything. Not just Sarah. That's just she just doesn't realize she's being so loud, Mm. and she doesn't realize she's interrupting our podcast. And she is not (laughs) interrupting our podcast. (laughs) Nobody even heard it until I brought it up because we weren't saying anything. Leave her alone. (laughs) Okay, I'm trying to. Okay, so what I'm getting out of this, I believe it's almost like now it's. I'm going to say like it's a peel, like peach peel or an apricot peel um fruity fruitiness to it let me know if you taste any peel like so i definitely get like a like a almost overripe apricot overripe apricot 
yeah, overripe. That's what I was trying to see. Like, a, like an mm-hmm. overripe avocado or peel, like that. Like overripe is right. That's what I was missing. Mm-hmm. Is overripeness. I was trying to put in the words my my flavor that I'm getting, but yeah, like an overripe. And I love apricots, so. Mm-hmm. Well, and it's just and not bad overripe. Like it's it's on the verge of uh, being too ripe, uh, but it's you know super dense with sugar and getting ready to you know start fermenting and. But, but, but what I'll say is again, I'm tired of hazy IPAs, mm-hmm. and this one is unique enough that takes me away from the traditional hazy IPA or double IPA. Mm-hmm. Right, this beer actually is unique. And I appreciate that. And the the flavors, although I can see where these flavors might not appeal to a lot of people because they don't want to eat over, you know, drink overripe apricots or mm-hmm. or whatever that is. Um, I can appreciate it. I really can. I, I mean, I'm not. This is a use of Idaho Seven Hops that I'm not hating. Um, mm-hmm. And it's got a very uh, that the bitterness is kind of lingering around ever so slightly um kind of on the back of your tongue too yeah like it's not it's not something over the top and it's just you know bitter beer face kind of thing but uh i, I definitely like the way that it that it's uh kind of hanging around too yeah uh yeah i, I like this i, I i'm um uh, i'm probably gonna give this one also a three and a half three I might even. I was three point seven. I might give it three point seven five too. I think I'm giving it three point seven five because um, I I actually it's I like a beer that takes me a minute to come up with the flavor, right? And it yeah. took me a couple minutes to think up apricot peel or whatever. Or, and you came up with the ripe aspect of it, but you're right. It's like that that ripe like a like a ripe fruit over somewhat maybe overripe fruit uh, character. Uh, with the yeah. sweetness and uh, I wouldn't say necessarily candied. I just say overripe, right? Uh, well, I mean, also too, it's, it, it's like one of those things too, you were talking about the beer you were drinking earlier. It had like a lemongrass mm-hmm. flavor yeah. to it. Yeah. Um, <laughs> bitter beer face, Mackenzie. Yeah. You need to cleanse your palate with a keystone. <laughs> um, <laughs> thanks Bill. <laughs> um, but yeah. Like, and um or even like, oh, this may be a little off, but unripe strawberries or, you know. Strawberries, huh? I, you know what? Let me try. Let me take another sip because maybe you're onto something there. You're getting the placebo effect, though. I shouldn't have said anything. No, I want to see <laughs> if I can. Not sweet enough for strawberries. No. But it's. That's why it's 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 got that uh that stickiness of of apricot um and the and the and the doler flavor of apricot versus uh the sweet like the sweeter um very distinct flavor of strawberry that that if you have a ripe strawberry you're going to you're going to mm-hmm. you're going to taste that and the great part is is though is as we're sitting here we're going okay well I get this flavor hmm Got to have another sip mm-hmm. of it. Maybe we get this. Nope, got to have another sip. And yeah, I'm this a, is what's left of that 16-ounce yeah, can. I'm down to uh, <laughs> half a glass of this 16-ounce can. So, A little bit of pine in there, too. That's, Actually, um, there is a little pine in there. 
uh, I get the pine in the finish, right? After mm-hmm. it sits back there, I, I feel there's a little bit of pineiness to it, but I'm, I'm also one, you know, don't know if it's, if it is really a piney flavor or just something that's like lingering back there from leftover from the other flavors. But yeah, there's a little, might be a little pine in there. Yeah. Well, thank you, William. Um, I have to say both the beers you provided, both of them provided uh, unique experiences. Uh, I really enjoy the fact that, hey, that that first beer was an American IPA. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, bringing it back a little bit. I wouldn't say old, old school, but bringing it back a decade for sure and giving us a, a very, uh, you know, nice experience with that beer. And this one, bringing it forward with the double ha- the hazy double IPA um, and giving us a different flavor profile that I'm, that I'm used to. Right. It, and, and I appreciate that. I can, I, I've told, I've been saying I'm getting tired of hazy IPAs, but when I have something like this, that is a different profile, I like it. Right. It, it's different. Yeah. It's not the same, same old stuff. Right. Skinny Matt Knight checking in. Just creeping. He's creeping. To uh, the two side eye emojis. Oh, nice. Thanks. What's up, Matt? Thanks, Matt. How are you, buddy? Thanks for joining us. All right, Chris. Well, let's move on and talk about our new and noteworthy beers. I only have a couple, so I have two. You have two, too, so we'll make it short. So uh, why don't you go ahead and talk about your new and noteworthy? So the first one I want to talk about was going to be the the one that I almost read on Untapped. And it was uh, from my buddy Art Warcheck. He sent me a few beers uh, as a thank you for getting getting his beers from Matt Knight. Just creeping, apparently. Uh, <laughs> just creeping over here. Um, for getting his Hunapu winnings uh, over to him back from, from Tampa up to Ohio. Uh, but it was the Jackie O's coconut and cinnamon bourbon barrel dark apparition now anybody who's had jackie o's dark apparition super solid great uh stout imperial stout uh if i'm wrong somebody correct me but i'm pretty sure it's a stout um and it's kind of their their go-to as if they had to have a flagship stout this is definitely it now i don't believe this gets released all the time, maybe seasonally, but Dark Apparition, and I do remember, at least when I lived in Ohio, was something that a lot of people went after. Now, this one, coconut, cinnamon, bourbon barrel, uh, the environment in which I was drinking this beer definitely <laughs> played, of course, uh, yeah, played a big part in how it tasted. So the other night, cracked this beer open. We were sitting on the back porch. Um, I did post the photo on our Facebook page and I believe our Instagram as well had an awesome sunset. Yeah, over that was pool. nice. Um, that was nice. And just enjoying this beer. It was kind of a guy's night. So me and, and Manny and, and uh, Manny's brother-in-law, Anthony, we were just hanging out watching team America world police <laughs> uh, <laughs> and uh, watching, watching just what I forgot was such a hysterically stupid movie uh Matt Damon uh was was one of the um you know f- just sitting drinking a, a sipping on a nice big boozy beer uh and watching the stupidity unfold over Netflix uh was just fantastic gave this beer four and a half caps um the big reason that I didn't give it a five cap rating was just and it was it was super it was sweet yeah. like it was yeah. just it, it was, was a lot of beer fortunately jackie o's beers come in those i believe it's a 375 milliliter bottle oh, okay so 
That's a, a um, small bottle. Yeah, so it's nice that you don't have to like try to finish this whole thing. Yeah. Bill McElwain said, well, 40 years on this planet, and I finally found a half-decent reason to go to Ohio. <laughs> yeah, yeah, go go there. You go to check out Jackie O's, which is in Athens, Ohio, um, and then go, I believe it's a little bit north, go visit our buddy John yes. in uh, Newark, Ohio, Trek Brewing, um, and tell him Denny's going to buy you a beer. I'll buy you a beer. Yeah, see, you get free beer if you free, travel a little Ohio. Yeah. I'll even buy your second one. Yeah. How about that? I, I find it funny that uh, that he that even when you were in Ohio, it wasn't good, wasn't enough for reason for him to go there. <laughs> Interestingly enough, <laughs> um, Bill and I just reconnected after about twenty oh, years. Okay, okay, so of, he, he didn't know uh, you were in Ohio at the time. <laughs> uh, no, it, we we just reconnected probably maybe a year or two ago. So we're we're you know we're we're catching up. Matt, that is not true. He said nothing good has come out of Ohio. <laughs> Trek beer is I good. I came out of Ohio. Trek beer is yeah, delicious, yeah. right? Uh, so uh, what else? Anything good came out of Ohio? The Wright Brothers? Well, Devious Mr. Matt came, is from Ohio. Yeah. My buddy Vic Joe yeah. is from Ohio. There's some good people. Yeah, Amanda Joe, that's right. Argar is from uh, Ohio. Yeah, Vic, that's... Amanda, and Kevin, they're all in Northeast Ohio. Come on, these are all good good reasons a good thing to come out of ohio <laughs> yeah matt oh, though, no, from ohio. Yeah. <laughs> oh, he was like that's the joke i always yeah. assumed that matt was from rochester new york because that's where he lives i guess i was wrong uh, he's from ohio why do you why do i feel like matt's like a cincinnati guy <laughs> or dayton you're like a cincinnati or toledo. guy i'm gonna say toledo nah. or as i like to call it tuli <laughs> um where are you from in ohio matt <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, and the next one on my list uh, was actually a mead, which I don't get into these all too often, normally because they are yeah, sweet. Yeah, way too They're sweet. Super sweet. They're big, just, they'll, they'll not Eastern Ohio. What part of Eastern Ohio, Matt? Um, they're big. They'll knock you on your butt. So we can take a 300 Toronto, Ohio. <laughs> That's Canada. <laughs> the, yeah. Ah, get it together, man. That's on the west side of Canada. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> anyway, the uh, from the folks over at Misbehaving Meads, which I'll have to look them up to see exactly where they are. Uh, it's called With a Baseball Bat. Okay. Now, if anybody's familiar with the song Peanut Butter Jelly Time, Peanut Butter and Jelly with a Baseball Bat, this was a peanut butter and jelly mead. And oh. you, pour it, you pour it in a glass just north of Steubenville. Okay, so you're kind of actually where on where my wife is from. Um so you pour it in a glass and it's it looks like a bottle of wine because it was, well, it was honey grape wine. You pour it in the glass, you take a sniff of it. Not only do you smell the peanuts hmm. or the peanut butter, not only do you smell the grapes or the grape jelly, you also, it was almost like sniffing a loaf of white bread, like pulling a loaf of white bread from the shelf at your local grocery store, opening wow. it up and smelling that. Those were the three things you could totally pick out of this beer. Um, super sweet so gladly i was able to split this bottle with two other people and um still rated it a 4.25 wow. just because it was like taking a bite of a peanut butter and jelly sandwich wow nice sorry matt sorry your kid woke up see you buddy oh uh, thanks matt uh, kid woke up gotta go all right. So those are going to be my two uh, new and noteworthy beers, the Jackie O's Coconut Cinnamon Bourbon Barrel Dark Apparition and the Misbehaving Meads with a Baseball Bat. Denny, 
What's on your new and noteworthy okay. list? I'm going to be quick, quick and dirty here. Clairvoyant Brewings, uh, Pilsner. I already talked about it. Four and a half cap rating. All I said was another fantastic represent, representation of a style, a great Pilsner. And again, mm. I, I there's nothing to say. It just is. Think of a Czech Pilsner. Think of a good Czech Pilsner. This this beer is it. It was really good. The second one is a beer I'd, I'd start off drinking tonight from Payette Brewing. It's the Prairie Baird or Prairie Bard, whatever it is. Um, what I said on Untapped on this, uh, beautiful morning spent out back playing in, in the kiddie pool with my grandson. This beer hits the spot as a refreshing light ale with a snappy hop finish. Serves its role very well. Four cap rating for this beer. And uh, I really enjoyed it. And it is a snappy little uh, beer that's great when you're out in a hot day. And that that was a beer I was drinking on my birthday uh, with my grandson. Oh, crap. Out, out back. Oh, yeah. Enjoying the pool. It was, a again, like I said, it was a, a hot uh, you know that weekend was hot, and uh, I just sat out there and drank beer. Um, you know, while he's watching, uh, playing the pool. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, so yeah, that was that was that. Oh. okay. So that uh, that's our new and overly beers. Now, before we go, I do have an, uh, a check it out. This is an article, and this article uh, I found on Twitter through uh, Jeff. Allworth, and everyone knows who Jeff Allworth is. He is a renowned, renowned beer writer. Okay, and he's also the host of Birvana podcast, which I know some of our listeners listen to. I listen to it all the time, uh, and he's written a number of, of books about uh, about craft beer, the the Beer Bible and the Beer Vo- Bible Volume Two. Uh, and he posted. I follow him on Twitter, and he posted a link to an article that asked this following question. And uh, are there such things as cult beers? And this is from uh, the, he 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 mentions uh, Boken Bailey, which is uh, the article was was a blog post on their on the Boken and Bailey beer blog website. Are cult beers a thing? And he says maybe, but contrary to what Boken Bailey uh, have to say, I don't think Schlinkler Schlink. Schlin, 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 Schlin I can't ever say that. It's Schlin, a German. It's Schlin a famous Kuria? German Rausch beer, and Orval qualify. Not in the U.S. Anyway, cult movies are kitschy but fun. I'd nominate beers like Jenny Cremel and Shiner Bach. Your thoughts? Mm. So this was a question he asked based on this article on Twitter. So before we talk about and answer this question, let's. I'm going to go highlight. I'm not going to read the whole article that they wrote on their blog, but I want to highlight a couple sections to identify what you know what what a cult beer or a cult film, mm. you know, cult classic would be like, and and we can modify this to a beer because film is a is something that sticks around for years and years and years. You can still go back and right. watch films from the early 1900s. Beers that were brewed in the 1900s that aren't brewed now, you can't go back and enjoy that. So there's a little bit of difference. You, you can't have the same qualifications on a cult beer than you have on a cult classic movie. But I think we can correlate some of the same ideas with films that are cult classics and beers that are cult classics. So first, let's go ahead and look inside the, the highlights of the article. And they, they look at what makes a film a cult classic, and they try to relate it to craft beer. So they say... It's not about whether a film is well-made, often the, con- the contrary, 
or which studio made it, though many cult films are independent productions. What matters is that it has a dedicated, even obsessive fans, and perhaps also that it's not readily available everywhere all the time. You need to put in a little effort to enjoy it, especially if you want to see it on a big screen. And so those are the highlights, right? And, and what I take from this is it can be a bigger brewery and still be a cult classic. It doesn't have to be an independent small brewery. But most of them will probably be from smaller brew, craft breweries and not the big beer because big beer mm-hmm. in its whole is going to have a wider distribution that's going to be everywhere. So that can kind of relate to the to, to beer to film. Um, it has uh, obsessive fans. I think that's a mm. key a key thing, right? It has to have a fan yeah. base that seeks out this beer. Now, does it seek it out on a normal basis or does it seek it out when it's available? I want to lean towards, and my beer selections, all of them, lean towards that these beers are not available all the time. You have to make an effort to get them while they're available. And that makes that that drinker obsessive over that beer. That they are going to take the time to go out after that beer. Um, and again, they say it should not be readily available all the time everywhere. You know, same thing with cult classic films. You can't go to the theater and see these cult classic films all the time. Okay. Unless you're the, the Rocky Horror Picture Show. And then you might be able to see it because it's on still on screens everywhere. Um, so here they came up with now keep in mind, this blog is out of the UK. So the beers that they selected are beers that they found, you know, that they think of in the UK that might be considered um, cult classics. So they said bass uh, is probably a mm. cult beer, a big name in his day, but hard to find in his natural habitat, the pub. I can agree with that. Even here in the States, Bass was one of the beers that was available in a lot of bars along with Guinness. And you'd get that Bass and Guinness black and tan when you'd have a black and tan, right? So that beer was available. But can you find Bass anywhere in the States now? No. Uh, And now can you find Guinness in as many places as you could before? No. Uh, I don't think you can find Guinness in as many <clears throat> bars that you could find before back when i was drinking back in the 90s i mean w- was i was drinking craft beer but i was going and traveling and i was uh you know i was traveling for work and i'd go to towns i'm not familiar with and i go to the bars i could always get a guinness in every bar i went to so if i wanted something that wasn't budweiser you know domestic i could go get a guinness i don't know if that's true now maybe i don't go to a lot of bars but i, well, I don't know if guinness I mean, is everywhere see Guinness is in more places than you think. I give you an idea. Joel has Guinness on tap at the fermented reality beer garden. Okay. It's one of his nitro taps. So yeah, yeah. he got to keep that nitro um, tap going. So he's got to have a beer and Guinness is always yeah. available. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Guinness is a good one. Um, plus I have a dog named Guinness. So, you know, it's, okay. Okay. Uh, but no, I, I do see, um, I do see it a lot of places, whether it's a, a bar specifically, but I, I, I feel it's one of those kind of in-between beers that it's not necessarily craft, but it's not necessarily one of the, no, you know, yeah, yeah, but, those, those big label yeah, beers. But, but so. I, I might suggest that it, not in England necessarily or UK, but maybe in the States, Guinness might be a cult classic as it continues mm-hmm. on, right? As it, as it starts to dwindle further and further away from being a staple at a pub, it might be one. 
they didn't mention that, but that's what, you know, I'm, I'm thinking that might be, uh, they say Orval, which is a Belgian beer, is mm. surely, especially with all the instructions on storage and service. In fact, doesn't Belgian rather specialize in cold beers all around? I might suggest that, yeah, uh, Belgian beers might be considered a, a cult classic because, um, you know, they have a following. Um, it's difficult mm. in the States to get a lot of Belgian beers. Uh, you know, even Cantillon is tough to find in, in oh, my area yeah. now when it was available a lot before because, you know, not as many people were ser- searching that out. They, they've got other alternatives. They're not drinking those imports, mm-hmm. right? Um, so, yeah, maybe Orval. Um, uh, Bathams, too. Um, and then that uh, Sherlink, 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 whatever it is, that Roche beer. <laughs> that thing. Yeah. Um, and again, they say uh, the, the Roche beer, which people either love or hate, feels like a contender. I don't know if Roush beer would ever be a cult classic because it is so mm. polarizing, right? You either love it or you don't love it. And there are some Roush beers that are good, but you know what? The majority of people don't like smoky beers. So no. I don't know if it's a cult classic. I don't think I would consider it a cult classic. Okay. So now going back to the question that Jeff Allworth asked, um, what do you reckon might count as a cult beer? Something that you've queued up, hunted down, or gone well out of your way to drink? So here's my suggestion. Now, on the Twitter feed that that, that Jeff provided, um, I listed one beer. I had a few I wanted to list, but I didn't want to go crazy. I listed one beer. The one beer I listed was the first one on my list, and that's the Shoots Jubilee Winter Warmer. Now, why did mm. I choose the Shoots Jubilee Winter Warmer? For one thing, uh, it's a it's an annual it's a seasonal release. Uh, you can only get it during the winter months, and it's a limited time release. So if you want it, you have to yeah. get it during that time. Two is every single release it has a unique art style to the bottle. So it's a collector's item. If you want to collect all the bottles and get all the art, then you want to seek that out every year and enjoy it. I personally buy cases of Jubilee every single year. Now, is the beer different every year? No. The beer is the same beer year after year, but I can only get it at a certain time. And so I obsess over it, right? I, I get the couple yeah. cases and I drink that. And I, I still, I think I still have one Jubilee left in the fridge. That I haven't drank because I'm still savoring that one last yeah. beer that I can have during the summertime and say, yes, I've conquered Jubilee in the summer. How do you think they uh, age? They age well. Yeah, yeah. They don't, they, they age, as far as I'm concerned, they age well. Um, it's time to start start building a vertical. <laughs> well, maybe maybe I should start saving a, one beer every year and and do like a five year vertical and see how it, it ages. But again, the beer I don't know how they're going to age. There's seven like seven point two percent ABV, so they've got enough alcohol to help. Um, yeah, I don't know if there's going to be changes in the flavor profiles to make it worth doing a a vertical over you know five years. Uh, it's not like a stout or a barrel aged beer that might that actually changes, or a big like a barley wine that you get that good chain from year after year. Mm. Um, so yeah, so that was my number one. But let me add some more that I I want to talk about on the show. Another Deschutes brewery beer that I think for sure is a cult classic. Uh, another one that's only offered seasonally. It's a special mm. release. It is different every year. It has a similar base. But they change up how the adjuncts they put in it and 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 the style a little bit. It's the Black Butte Anniversary Imperial Porter. Yes, I again, if I don't get at least one, if not two bottles of this every single year, then I am broken. 
Uh, I can't, I, I, I mean, it's a cult. I want to have it every year. I don't want to miss a year. And I've been drinking this beer for a long time and enjoying it. And uh, I think that's definitely a cult classic because sure. it's seeked out, it's, it, it's, it's sought out, and it's, it's unique enough to want people to try the next year version because they know it's going to be good and they want to see what's different about it. So mm-hmm. I think that one is for sure. Uh, yeah, that's definitely one of them. And that's one that I, if I can get a hold of it, that's great. I mean, I remember grabbing a hold of a 12th year anniversary, mm-hmm. 15 year anniversary. I remember in, in, when I was in, in franchise school in Las Vegas, I remember having the 28th, 27th year anniversary. There's a picture of my dog Cajun and myself, <laughs> him sitting next to a bottle of it. I mean, they they're, any of them I can get, I definitely take. Yeah. And the thing I love about that one specifically is that they are all different. They're all, they're all different. They're all unique and they're all good. I mean, there's been some yep. that's been better than others, but man, they knock this beer out of the ballpark every time and it's worth hunting down and worth getting. Mm-hmm. All right. Another one that that is, maybe I'm stretching a little bit on this one. And this is Fort George's three-way IPA. Now, if you're in the Northwest, Pacific Northwest, then you know how good these beers are. And what is the three-way IPA? The three-way IPA is a three-way collaboration between Fort George and two other highly respected breweries out there. They don't have to be big breweries. They can be big or small, but they collaborate to build an IPA. And each IPA every year is different. One IPA per year, they they release the beer, and when it's gone, it's gone. But I'll tell Mm. you what, these IPAs every year are really well done. And again, you the that changes up. So it's a new beer, new collaborations with some of your favorite breweries that you may not be able to get otherwise uh, in a beer, and they're good. So I think that might be considered a cult classic because it's long, long standing. As long as they keep going, they're going to keep people that enjoy that beer coming back and wanting to seek out the next year's variety. A cult. Uh, going to Russian River. Now I know Russian River has some wells, but what's the biggest well that Russian River has is Pliny the Younger, the triple IPA. The The one that comes out once a year. It used to only be released where you had to buy it from the brewery. Now, with COVID and everything, they did something where you can buy it, you know, other ways. But I think it's still a cult classic. Why? Because you had to go and be on site during the, the short time that that beer is being released, stand in line to get your bottle or two, Oh, yeah. Um, and it, it, and it's, a, and people do it and they do it every year. And if you want to stand in line during Super Bowl, uh, you'll get a bottle, but if you don't, then you're not going to get a bottle, you know, unless you really put an effort in it. So I think that one would for sure be uh, a cult classic because it's something that keeps people, it's a, it's a big well that people want to get. Uh, yeah. And, um, Jeremy Garrison even said Pliny the Elder yeah. is a cult beer. I, I would agree uh, with that too. I would. It's hard to get, it's would. hard to get, but it's, a fantastic beer and it lives up to the hype of the well right i mean I, I love that beer it's good i just can't get it i have to go to i have to have someone bring it in or i have to go to california to get yeah. it it's just hard all right the last one i'm going to talk about again it's a it's it's a stretch maybe but i this one is close to me even though i'm not a fan of stone brewing currently in their current state of affairs I still have a soft spot in my heart for Arrogant Bastardale. Uh, It was a beer that at the time when it was released made statements 
and was uh, a bold, big, bold beer that if you weren't worthy, you couldn't accept it. You couldn't drink it. You wouldn't like it. They told you if you're a pussy, you wouldn't like it. And guess what? You probably didn't. <laughs> and I think that in itself is a cult classic just because, you know, it, it has a memory behind it. And even now today, I, I go every so often, I'll buy an Arrogant Bastard and I still enjoy the beer. It has changed a little bit over time. I don't think it's as harsh as it was back in 2002. I think it's it's lightened up a little bit. They've re, they, they've kind of eased up on that that harshness, that kerosene like quality. But it's still a cult classic yeah. in, in my book. So I've talked enough, Chris. How about you? Why don't you go ahead and give you your list of uh, cult classics? So I've I've come up with a hell of a list. Uh, Pliny the Elder is definitely on that list because just like you, I can't get to California as easily as you can. Granted, you're still double digit hours away from California, I would imagine. Um, but you know, if I ever want Pliny the Elder, I've got a well. Last time I got it, I got it from uh, Chew Your Beer. Uh, Robert oh. <laughs> in, in California. The last time I had a, a bottle of that um, dark Lord from, from three Floyds. That's one of those beers. There's a whole day for that beer guys. Um, dark Lord and all of its variants. Here's one I didn't even have on my list. And I, and I can't believe I'm still saying this bourbon County. Oh yeah. 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 And that's, and that's one of those ones where, you know, people are waiting in line. There's a special release that you can get at the brewery specifically, the proprietor's blend. I, I um, think it's become, I, I, I wonder if it's going to be a cult class because now it's so readily available. Uh, you know what? I, I think the fact that they're making so many variants of it is making, is keeping it along that line that they're just going to, they're going after it. Granted, I, you know, I went down to my local total wine and more ABC or whatever, and I was able to go, okay, I'll have one of those. I'll have one of those. I'll have one mm-hmm. of those. And okay, I can have two of those. Cause there's no limit on it. Well, let's get one of these. We can age one of those. Like it's, it's not hard to come by, but it's still one of those beers, like 20, 24 bucks for a 16 ounce beer. Not everybody's <laughs> willing to do that. Yeah, it's true. Where's your commitment? Yeah, that's people? true. That's true. Right. Um, so yeah, that's, that's not on my list, but um, a cult beer that I've heard of a lot and that I used that kind of got me into the beer world, a black and tan, not specifically a, an actual. So, so a beer brand, so a beer cocktail or beer blend. Yeah. yeah you know, layered with Guinness, whether it was a bass yeah. or what was the other one that was on top that I'd see on top uh, of it a lot. Yeah. It's uh, bass and Guinness and a har- uh, harp lager harp and yeah. Guinness. Yeah. yeah. So just a black and tan. Um, Amanda's going to be pissed off at this one. A 120 no. minute IPA. If you were on Twitter, you would see she responded with you tagged Ooh. in it to my my uh, black or uh, my answer with Dogfish Head 120. <laughs> well, Amanda, if you ever hear the end of our show, you can find me never on Twitter at Chris underscore McKenzie 82. So. Oh. Uh, but yeah, 120 minute IPA. I mean, I know people, Joel specifically, who buy that stuff and let it sit for years. You have to to drink and, it. And no, it's like kerosene. Stop drink it. Stop being a pussy. <laughs> right? Um, here's one that we sought out. We went after a lot. Yingling yeah. Lager. I would say Yingling is a cult classic. I I right? think so too. Just, I, I I can't get it, but I want it. When I've had it, yeah. when I've been on the East Coast and I've and I've gone and drank it, I've enjoyed it. 
and thinking, mm-hmm. wow, this is a this is a really good lager that I that I just want to drink a lager, right? If I just want to drink a lager, it's it's good. I like it. Yeah. So when Megan and I lived in the the Akron area and we ever had to go to Pittsburgh for anything, which was about an hour and a half away, uh, we would ask people, hey, we're uh, we're heading to Pittsburgh. You want any Yingling? Oh, yeah. Well, in Pittsburgh at the time, you could only buy beer by the case. So they go, "Okay, well, get me a case or get me two cases. And I remember her and I going to the hood one time and buying seven cases of Yingling. Oh, wow. From the just because uh, people were like, "Oh, I'd really like from the it." Kmart. Right? <laughs> no, it was oh man, Denny. It was it was north of downtown, and man, it was just not the oh. best of areas. Anyway, um, but you know, I felt like Burt Reynolds. I wish I was driving my uh, my Trans Am, <laughs> yeah, smoking the Bandit. Um, yeah. Next on the list is going to be Oberon from uh, from Bell's Brewing. That's a that's a turn of the season. Uh, I know that that beer. It's a, a wheat beer uh, that people will. Um, it's kind of like a signaling of spring coming, yeah, right? Yeah. The winter's ending. It's, it's, you know, spring's here. It's time to drink some Oberon. There's Oberon day. If I remember correctly, um, <laughs> Bill said Yingling was 10 bucks for a 12 pack when I turned 21. So that's what we <laughs> yeah, had all the time. Yeah. Well, uh, for a long period of time, we couldn't get it in Ohio, Bill. Um, and then spotted cow from new Glarus. I would agree with that too. Yeah, um, I, I see that a, a lot. You know, I, I've been fortunate enough to have a couple of those. Heady Topper or the Alchemist uh, uh, from those guys. Um, zombie Dust. Zombie Dust. Yeah. yeah. Bill gave me this idea. This was a big thing pumpkin that ale? I went after. I don't, I don't, I don't know ale. about pumpkin ale because it's not a good pumpkin ale. It, not anymore. No, it's not. It, I don't think it was ever you know a good what? pumpkin ale. <laughs> maybe maybe that was it maybe there was this transition right you hit this uh this this tipping point where it was really good it's so good oh my god we've got to go get every single game bottle they got this beer sucks i you know what it's all right you know we'll skip it this year and then it turns down and you're like this beer's awful i don't want this anymore right so it's one of those things where i bill said bill commented on our on our live stream he was like that was a beer that we sought after Mm -hmm. like I remember working in a grocery store in Ohio called Heinen's that it showed up on our shelves and and the, the, the wine and beer steward was like, Hey, we got some pumpkin ale in. Do you want any? And I was like, yeah, give me a case of it. <laughs> and I just remember, I remember that tipping point going, yeah, it was great this year and going over and going, I'm kind of sad that I spent my money on that. Um, and pseudo Sue from Toppling Goliath out in Iowa. Uh, I know I can say they that, are. Yeah. I love. They are. Big. I love that beer. Yeah. They're getting bigger into distribution, which good for them. I'm glad you guys are able to uh, get some more beers out to the rest of the country. But pseudo Sue was one of those ones, and oh my god, more, uh, what was the the stealth assassin from them? <laughs> I, that look, I, I've been very fortunate enough, Denny, to be able to get some pretty incredible beers, whether it's me going out to wait in line for them. Yeah. Bill said pumpkin ale is an annual tradition for all of our fantasy football drafts Um, that there are beers that I've been able to get a hold of that. I go, wow, I can't believe I actually got a hold of those beers, whether it was because I was waiting in line or I spent some extra cash and somebody shipped me a bottle or two. There are some beers out there that still elude me very much. Well, my whales, right? The stealth assassin, the morning delight, both of which I believe are from toppling Goliath. Here's one, the SR 71. 
the blackbird. Mm. Mm-hmm. If I can find a bottle of that, I might give a finger or two for that. Um, but yeah, there's, there's a lot of beers out there uh, that are definitely along those lines of cult beers. And I think there, there used to be even more of them, uh, the hype beers. I'd look at them as like hype beers, like the Canadian breakfast stout or Kentucky, uh, Kentucky breakfast stout, things like those that went from this, Oh my God, you got to go wait in line for these two. They show up and, you know, you get a case in this store and a case in this store and they limit it to one bottle per person. And now, now you can find KBS on pretty much any store shelf right now. Well, not store, but like ABC or total wine. You can find them on the shelf right now. You can go get them right now. What are some of your cult beers? Yeah. What, what are some of the things like, uh, like our listener, Bill McElwain, that you sought out that you went after, whether it was for your football <laughs> drafts or you were just excited to see come out, Oberon, that kind of thing. Yeah. What did you guys like? Actually, I think you're right, though. With the Dogfish Head Pumpkin Ale, I think at the time, that that might have been considered a cult classic. I think it's gotten watered down um, when we had the big spike where everyone was doing them, and now nobody's doing yeah. them. It's kind of lost its luster, so maybe not so much. But yeah, at the time, for sure. All right, Chris. Well, you know what? Let's go ahead and finish up this show. But before we do that, we always want to offer... Uh, a little toast to our listeners. I still have a little bit of uh, beer here to go ahead and Me give a, a cheers out to who you'd like to give a toast to. So who would you like to give a toast to tonight? So I would absolutely love to raise a glass to William Schlemmer. Denny, I know he's on yeah. your list and I hate when I no, tag no, no. team you off of your him. list, but um, William, thank you so much, man, for these beers. These, these were great. Denny and I don't very often get the chance to just sit and try beers That's together right. when we're on the opposite <laughs> side of the country. Thank you very much for making that happen. And hopefully we'll be doing that uh, for the next episode or two because we do have a few of them. Thank you for sending that out to us. Um, And then also too, Denny, I can't help but uh, wish you a belated happy birthday. (laughs) Your birthday was on June 19th along with Amanda Argauer's birthday. Amanda's birthday the same day. Yeah. Um, So cheers to you guys. Uh, Raise a big glass to you. Denny clocking in at 49 and a half, eight years old. Um, <laughs> yeah, always, but always. I'm guys. always 49 and a half. Yeah. Well, as, as Tina says, is she's always, uh, she's, she's still 27, yeah. you know, and then celebrating her 10th anniversary <laughs> of her 27th birthday. Um, Elysian that's night my, owl that's my is a pretty good favorite pumpkin ale. Pumpkin ale. That's her favorite big yeah. one. Uh, Bill, I would drink a, no, I'm not going to drink a Canadian beer during the Stanley cup. Cause the Canadians can go suck it. Uh, lightning goal. Really? Did you miss it, Chris? I'm sorry. Well, look, it's okay. I'll go (laughs) look. The third period just started. I can go watch the rest of it because you know, we're, we're good. Um, but Bill also said he has a big Christmas party with a lot of, uh, different selections. Um, Warsteiner. Warsteiner is a beer that that he drinks during Christmas. So nice. Nice. And the the Yankees lose five to three at home to the Angels, according to Jeremy Garrison. So, all right, uh, Denny, who would you like to raise a glass to this well, evening? I'll raise my glass as you did. First to William Schlemmer, very kind, generous uh, gift to you and I for for sharing those beers that we can now enjoy together on air. Uh, I'm going to give a, a little bit of a you know pre show of, of our next episode. Our next episode will be the last episode of season seven. We what? finished seven complete years of Tap to Craft podcast next episode. 
So one of the beers that Jeremy, or said Jeremy, now you got, you talked about Jeremy, I got Jeremy on my mind, that William um, provided You're us was a, was a New Glarus beer, which again, anytime I can get New Glarus, I love it because I can't get it here. So I got to have people that mule it in for me when they go visit Wisconsin, you know, Wisconsin or, or people send it to us. But he gave us a, a Belgian triple, uh, ah. the triple five. So yeah. the next episode is going to be going over the Belgian st- triple uh, style guy, you know, history and some uh, notes on that. And Chris and I, Chris, save that beer. We're going to drink that one as a tasting note segment as well. So we're going to do the tasting notes or we're going to do the, the style and then we'll drink that beer afterwards. And talk about it. Mm-hmm. So that would be a current a score one. is uh three one lightning. Three one wow, lightning. Wow, they scored two. Oh no. Oh, they were already up two one, right? Yeah. Yeah, it was two one. Uh we've scored one goal in each period. Okay. So. Nice. Nice. All right. So also I, I every every week I like to give a toast out to our Patreon of the of the show. And this episode is the toast to you, Chad Lamasa. We've mentioned your name a couple times on the air. We really appreciate your longstanding support of the show. So cheers to you. Uh, and uh, we appreciate your support. I'll, I'll drink to that one. Mm-hmm. All right. And the last toast uh, I like to give out to is my buddy, Ariel Druck. Uh, he came to visit Boise. He, uh, from what I can tell, he's had a great time drinking some really good beers. Um, I really appreciate it. He wants, I want to come out to the San Diego area and visit him as well as, uh, Robert to your beer and some other friends out there. So I'm hoping that, you know, not this year, probably, but maybe next year I'll make it down there and we could drink beers together again and have a good time. So cheers to you, Ariel. Thank you for coming out and spending some time with us. And what's, what I love about Ario is that uh, we haven't seen each other in person for several years, but we get together mm-hmm. and it's like, you know, we're just, we can talk about anything, right? We just very, it was very fun, uh, time together drinking beer and, and chatting and about life and and uh, everything so cheers and of course being a former serviceman i want to raise my glass and thank all those who have served and who are currently serving in u.s military services protecting our freedoms thank you for your service uh cheers to you and may you return home safe to your families very soon and chris why don't you go ahead and raise a glass to our sponsors at the forefront of the craft beer movement, Brewer Shirts was one of the first to create apparel that celebrates the art of brewing and the love of fine beer. Never too trendy, always comfortable, and offering affordable quality, they screen print their gear by hand in their studio using eco-friendly inks, materials, and processes. Visit their online store at brewershirts.com and use the coupon code TAPTHECRAFT2020 to receive 15% all full-priced items. And you can find the beers and the links to the articles mentioned on the show on the show notes located on the show post at taptocraft.com. And if you follow us on social media, I can be found on Twitter, Instagram, and untapped at Loose Screw. And Chris, how can our listeners follow you? Well, like we told Amanda Argauer <laughs> earlier, you can never find me on Twitter at Chris underscore McKenzie 82, but you can find me on untapped Instagram at McKenzie or uh, Mackenzie at MCK one, three, four, five. And guys, you can find us on all things social at tap the craft, Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, all those things. Go follow us, subscribe. We would really appreciate your support. 
All right. It is last call. It's time to bring the show to a close. We want to thank you for downloading, listening, and we ask you to please tell a friend. And of course, subscribe on iTunes, Stitcher Radio, TuneIn, Google Play, CastBox, Podbean, Spotify, iHeartRadio, and now on Amazon Podcast or however you listen to your podcast. And as a reminder, we release a new show every two weeks. Now go out there and spread the good word of craft beer. Cheers. Cheers. Thank you.